Good morning, everybody. This is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is forgiveness. It's going to be a little bit more than forgiveness, but that's going to be pretty much the focus of today's interview. I am joined by Miss Kathleen Israel. Welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So can you start off by telling everyone who is Kathleen? Uh, let's see, Kathleen. Uh, well, a major thing about Kathleen is Kathleen is a widow. Um, I took care of my husband for, he was sick for 17 years. And um, then after he died, uh, I, I decided to walk the Camino Santiago. And um, so I did, and it's uh, 500 miles across Northern Spain. Wow. I live in San Diego, like, you know, jumping around, popcorn here. Uh, <laughs> and okay. uh, Ron and I raised five kids, and uh, four of them live in Texas, for God's sakes. And wow. and one of my children lives here, which is very nice for me. <laughs> it's nice to have some grandchildren. And uh, so, I yeah, I just um, live in a house and... You know, on a street, I, I, today is trash day. So I hope the trash man doesn't come down the street <laughs> or <while we're> talking. <laughs> okay. So you said that you took care of your husband. He was disabled. So you did that for 17 years. Yeah, he was sick for 17 years, but the last eight years, he was totally disabled. You know, they get sick and then it takes a while. Well, Parkinson's disease, it, oh. it actually... You know, people die of Parkinson's disease, but it doesn't kill you for a long time. You, you get to, so he was, he was, you know, driving around and stuff. And <clears throat> then around 2010, mm -hmm. uh, he got totally disabled, um, couldn't walk, couldn't talk. And so, um, so anyway, that's when I got to be a caregiver. Okay. So that's, but that is a, I am so sorry to hear that, but it's a, a real symbol of love because that, you know, when you take the vows to honor and obey through sickness and in health. So a lot of people don't have the strength or the love inside of them to do that. So I do salute you, uh, Miss Kathleen, for being there for your husband. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a commitment because, um, <clears throat> But, I, you know, my husband took care of me a couple of times when I I had a car accident and I couldn't drive for like three months. And he used to, I mean, I would take the bus to work and he would pick me up at two o'clock in the morning every day and, you know, take me home. So I figure it, you know, if you're going to if you're going to do the death do us part thing with somebody, uh, somebody's going to be taking care of somebody at some time. And that is I'm true. just, I'm just, I feel like I was fortunate that I didn't have to be the sick one. You know, he got, uh, although he loved, he was a happy man. Oh my gosh. He loved being waited on hand and foot by me. <laughs> he just, he just sat there and watched NCIS and um, cowboy movies all day long. And he was a happy man. So, you know, it's really really nice to live with a happy man right okay so what was i know i'm detouring a little bit but I'm, <laughs> i i love when i hear good stories about you know love and marriage so 
what were some of the signs that you knew that he was the right person? Because, you know, some people get married and they may be happy, but to be married and then to still stick with each other through up and down, that takes a lot. So what were some of the ways that you knew that he was that guy? Okay, well, um, uh, you want the sordid story? <laughs> the, <laughs> the fun one. Okay, the fun one. Okay, so... I, you know, I had a rough childhood. I was a sad person all my life, really. And um, one thing about Ron is he would tell me, I would be sad and I would say, tell me stories about beautiful things. And he would just tell me stories like he would describe a garden to me and it's beautiful with trees and a brick walkway. And he would just paint these beautiful pictures for me. Um, and... <laughs> And uh, that that made me love him, I guess, because, um, you know, it just lifted my heart. And uh, so my mother also told me that I should marry him because he was a good one. Okay. She told me that. Mother knows best. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> anyway, he was a good guy. He really was. He And we were fortunate, too. He always had a job while we were raising our five kids. And I think, I mean, when I think of all the plaques I get from his, he, he always got plaques, safety plaques and this and that. He, he had a whole wall full of plaques. And I think the one that I will save that means the most to me is that his 30 year plaque. He worked there for 30 years while we were raising our kids. And so um, I'm just really grateful to God for that. You know, right. it's a gift. Okay. Definitely <laughs> is a gift. Okay, yeah. so after your husband passed, you decided to do a walk. A, yeah. I guess a spiritual walk. Why did you decide to do that? Well, you know, um, when he was back in 2013, he was ill and I was caring for him. And um, my girlfriend went on the Camino Santiago. And she didn't walk the whole way because we were younger and she didn't have time. You know, she had to get home to work. Uh, so she walked from Leon to Santiago. And but I noticed that she was doing something very special for herself and she shared it on Facebook. So we got to, you know, <laughs> I mean, even though she was got blisters and she was walking with bloody feet, I recognized that she was doing something very special for herself. And and right at that time, um, because I had to give up what I thought Ron and I would do in our old age. I thought we would be riding our bicycles across France and stuff like that in our old age. He, he was an athlete. He loved, you know, biking, uh, running, um, swimming. And uh, so anyway, when I saw Judy did that, I thought, you know what? That's what I'm going to do when Ron's done with his disease. I'm going to walk the Camino. And um, so I had to wait, you know, five, six more years. Uh, but I had that in the back of my mind. And then <clears throat> after he died, I mean, he died in August in 2018. And by uh, January, I was done with all the paperwork. You know, there's a lot of paperwork for people die. And so I just thought, well, if you're going to go, you better get ready. So I started watching YouTubes and uh, I went to a talk at a live at the library by my house. And this lady was talking teaching people how to pack light for the Camino. 
And, uh, you know, she, she said at her talk, she, she had, I want to see, a, uh, you know, raise your hand if you're going to do the Camino. And I was the only one that raised my hand. Everybody else was there just because they wanted to know how to pack light. <laughs> and, and so, um, so I spoke to her afterwards and she gave me a lot of good tips on where to stay and stuff like that. And so I just, and I got a book about how to do it. And so I was just like, I can do this. And I had been walking with my friend, Severa. Uh, I would, I would walk <clears throat> at Mission Bay for five miles and that didn't even make me sweat. And I just thought, well, I can write, I can walk five miles before lunch and five miles after lunch. I can do this. So I just felt like I could do it. Yeah, that's, I mean, but it's, it's 500 miles. So if you walk, you know, five miles before lunch, and five miles after lunch is 10 miles a day. So if it's 500 miles, that's 550 days, right? And uh, I was on the Camino for 66 days. But I took every Sunday off, you know, and I I got there and I'm Catholic and it, it's kind of a Catholic thing, but only about 30% of the people who walk are doing the spiritual journey. Most people are, it's just a really cool thing to do. And um, so I, I got, you know, in on Sunday and I would just flop down because I was so dead tired, you know, and, <clears throat> and then I would oh yeah where's mass and then I would miss mass because I didn't you know think about it till too late and so then I decided okay Kathleen you're on a holy pilgrimage and you're not going to mass on Sunday and so um so I just started taking Saturday night I would I would uh, go find a hotel and I would stay there Saturday night Sunday night and leave Monday so I had like I was there in the morning on Sunday so I could go to church, number one. And number two, I could be a tourist during the day and um, on Sunday, and then I would leave Monday. So that's what I did. Did you document the journey with video? No, I, you know what? I was on a spiritual journey. I, I didn't even write down what I, the only record I had of what I had done was my Facebook entries to my friends I told me because I asked my friends to pray for me I mean I went by myself and so I uh, so I asked my friends to pray for me so I showed them where I was every day and told them about it and then my daughter made me a whatsapp and called it mom's walkabout (laughs) check-in so um, so I told them the gory details you know what was going on and uh, so between the the WhatsApp and the Facebook page, that's how I wrote my book. Was, okay. Um, so. so when you finished, when you finally finished, how did you feel? Oh, my gosh. You know, the last week, the last week of like the last hundred miles or kilometers is what they do over there. The last hundred K, you get to the realization that you're a short timer now. And, you know, you've been walking through the hills for two months or whatever. And it, you just start getting sad that it's almost over. Mm. But um, anyway, that last day, uh, you know, the um, one day out from Santiago is this town and it's called Lava Cola. 
And what that means is wash your private parts. And I guess <clears throat> back in the olden days, uh, when the, the pilgrims, they didn't really wash. You know, people didn't wash back then. And right. so the priests were like complaining about all the stinky pilgrims. They would come <laughs> into Santiago and they smelled so bad. So everybody was supposed to wash themselves in lava cola before they walked into Santiago. So that's how that town <laughs> got his name. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know, really. I mean, they've got some pretty interesting names over there for things. I don't know. Really? Yeah, there was a cacabella. I'm like, caca, isn't that poop? And uh, beautiful poop, I guess. I don't know why that name is. Right, we have to look that one up. <laughs> yeah, and um, they, they've got, I mean, really. Uh, anyway, so um, the last day walking into Santiago, uh, you know, you follow... They have yellow arrows showing you the way. I mean, for 500 miles, they got yellow arrows showing you the way. And so I'm following the yellow arrows. And when you get into Santiago, they don't have any more yellow arrows anymore. You just got to find your way to the uh, cathedral. And uh, this, uh, so I was walking along and this guy, he was, I guess he was a helper or something, but there was a guy who was tethered to uh a, i think he was developmentally disabled person and so he was walking with this developmentally disabled person and he saw me going the wrong way and he yelled at me and he said hey go this way so i followed him for quite a while and uh so i but i at the last minute, I decided I didn't want to follow anybody. And so I I just started picking my way through the streets. And you could see the cathedral up there, you know. And so I was going towards it. And I heard the bagpipe. And they um, right before you get into the cathedral, where the cathedral is, there's a bagpipe. <clears throat> and then there's a lady kneeling there with a bowl in front of her, praying so they've got the bagpipe and they got the beggar there. I mean, every time I go into Santiago, I see both of them there. And uh, so I heard the bagpipe. So I kind of was able to follow the noise to the bagpipe. And then I walked <clears throat> through this arch and there was the cathedral. And oh my gosh, it was so grand and so amazing. And I looked around and there were you know, there were people coming in from off the trail all day long. I mean, people just get there when they get there, right? And uh, so I walked out in front of the cathedral and I looked around and it looked like people were like, like laying on the, like sitting on the ground with propped up looking up at the cathedral, like they were at the beach or something, you know, like <laughs> by the ocean. And, but they were looking at the cathedral and I was just like, oh my gosh. This is so special. And so I, I I saw the cathedral. It was very exciting. And then I, I saw a lady and I said, if I take a picture of you, will you take a picture of me? And uh, she said she didn't need a picture, but she would take my picture. And so I just, you know, I put my arms up like victory and she took my picture and um, it was really great. <laughs> okay. So you actually did two of those walks, right? Yeah, I walked um, two years later. I, that was 2019. And in 21, I walked um, from Lisbon up through Portugal to Santiago. So how was that 
journey different from the first one? Oh my gosh. Walking across Northern Spain, it's like, like the Northern part of the, you know, I mean, I'm thinking Oregon or something. It's just so lush and beautiful and green, stuff like that. And walking up through, uh, from, I mean, um, Lisbon is, is just about, I'm from San Diego and Lisbon is just about like San Diego. It's on the West coast of Europe. Right. And, and, uh, it's just like chaparral and very dry, just like, just like San Diego is, uh, very dry here. And, um, so, so it wasn't beautiful. Like it was, you know, right. there were beautiful areas though, but it, it just, Nothing like northern Spain. So beautiful up there. So does the scenery affect your spirituality? Like, are you able to get like on a better level when the scenery is better? Well, I guess that, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, you feel just so um, surrounded by beauty mm. when 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 everything's green and you're out in the hills and I mean in in uh, Spain they have this thing called the mesita and everybody told me that the mesita was going to be boring mm-hmm. but I got to the mesita and I was just like this is so beautiful because of modern farming techniques they had just created this giant um, lush garden area on the mesita and the I mean you could see around the edges of the gar- of the farms and stuff the scraggly mesita the way it used to be when you know for years but now I, I think about like in our valley over here we have El Centro and that's a desert but I mean it's green because they bring the water in and they grow the crops there now and so it's very different but it like i say it it was it was so beautiful i mean to walk through fields of red poppies and um they they grow some kind of crop with yellow flowers all over it and um i felt like you know when i started out there were all these bushes and they had buds on them and then after a while all the bushes had yellow flowers on them wow and then by the time I was done, all the flowers had turned into pods and they were ready to fly off of the plant. So I felt like I had just lived through the whole season. You know, yeah, the se- that one season, Aww. the spring. I was there in the spring. So it was lovely. Oh, that's beautiful. So mm-hmm. I know that you are also a breathing facilitator. How important yeah. was that on your journey? Oh my gosh, I was so fortunate in that way. Um, I... Um, I, of course, I, I, uh, I do the breathing for myself, but also I can play with the breathing and I can notice, oh yeah, I I feel like I'm not getting enough oxygen. Like, um, okay. A long time ago, I, I ran a marathon and I did a six beat run. Like I breathed in for six steps and out for six steps and in for six steps and out. And I, I really got a lot of longevity in my running because I did that. So that was cool. And then when I was walking in in the Spain, there were a lot of mountains. Mm. And so I would be, you know, trying to do my six step, you know, breathing. And then I would get to the point where 
six steps wasn't doing it and I had to do four step breathing. So I'd breathe in for four steps and out for four steps. And when I got on a really high mountain, I was breathing in for two and out for two. So it was um, the air, I needed to turn around of the air faster because my body was using it faster, you know, the oxygen for the, for the energy. I know when I was, when I used to swim, we learned a lot of different breathing techniques. And I know that how important the breathing is. Cause like when we learned how to, how we, when we learned how to breathe underwater, of course, we were able to swim longer than of course our lung capacity was stronger. So we were able to, to endure more. So in able to take those walks, is there anything that you can do like that in preparation to be ready for it? Cause that's a long journey. I know. So like I said, I was walking five miles a day with my friend. And um, the other thing, you know, I, uh, I am afraid of horses. And I just, I don't know, I saw this video. I mean, I saw on TV that Dylan had a horse ranch. And he had a horse and he was just loving on that holding it, you know, and I thought, I want to have a relationship with a horse. <laughs> and, but I'm afraid of horses. And so I went and got a volunteer position out at a horse ranch near me in Lakeside, California. Oh. And um, the, the Magic Horse <laughs> uh, horse Ranch, they, they do horseback riding for um, disabled people and uh, autistic. And uh, I went out there and I was like with the wheelbarrow picking up horse pucky all over the place. And... I think that I just got a really strong core from doing that. You know, I was, a, I, I got strong in my whole self, you know, like that wheelbarrow was heavy and I was just, you know, guiding it around and, you know, picking up the pucky and stuff. So I, I think um, it, it's good to have a, a strong core. Um, one thing uh, that I did notice was that after I was there and I was walking every day, I got even more buff just from walking because I, I I was walking 10 miles a day, you know, and then all of a sudden one day I got 10 miles and it was before lunch. And I just thought, oh, I have to walk longer now. So I started walking like 15K instead. And and so um, so you you will get buff there. But the people who don't prepare themselves, they're going to have Charlie horses and you know, shin splints and stuff like that. So that's not good. You do need, it's it's good to prepare. And oh, my sister-in-law, Bernadette, she was such an angel. She called me up and said, Kathleen, okay, you work, walk at the bay, but you're going to have to walk up mountains. So I'm going to take you hiking up mountains. So I would, you know, on the weekend, Bernadette and I would, would walk up mountains here around San Diego and, um, that was really key also okay. uh, to, so to is that up mountains. Is that, was that, a, I mean, obviously you did it after your husband died, but was mm-hmm. that a good way to deal with grief? Oh, yes. You know, um, a pilgrimage is a walking prayer. Mm. Uh, and um, you don't, you know, of course, your your monkey mind can just bring up all kinds of horrible stuff for you to think about. But if you're praying, uh, maybe you 
get out of that a little bit and get into the prayer thing. Um, I have Catholics, we say the rosary. So I have my rosary and, um, and, uh, you know, every, I want, I thought that I would just go into every church there was, you know, I would just make a visit, but most of the churches were closed because it's dangerous for a church to be open, you know, to just with nobody watching it. Yeah. And so every once in a while, like somebody would have like a little gift shop in the back of the church and then they'd have the church open. You could go in and pray. Uh, so that was nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think um, one thing about grief is uh, you get you get really sad and you feel like you're all alone. I mean, loneliness is not fun. When you're on the Camino, there's people there. You fall, you know, either you're passing somebody up or they're passing you up. You know, hardly anybody walks the same amount of speed. And so I would just, you know, it was it was lovely to be there and see the people and see just the anomalies along the way. There was just anomalies. Uh, I I was um, walking out in the hills one time. And it was very arid in that area. Um, just <clears throat> a bunch of dry grass all around. <clears throat> and uh, and um, oh, oh, far off, I saw this. Um, it was a ruins. I could see some of the walls were down. But there were beautiful spires and arches. It was a just a beautiful building. So I walked up to it. The, the trail led right through it, right? And uh, the arrows. And um, so I went in under one of the arches and uh, I heard Irish fairy music. And I walked in. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And uh, so then over on the side, there was this guy, this Filipino guy. He had a white t-shirt on and a green plaid kilt and he was making egg salad sandwiches and I was just like where am I this is just too too neat and weird to be true and you know I went over and asked him if there was a restroom because uh, that was my big problem on the Camino is where are you going to go to the bathroom right and uh, out in the hills um, so he showed me there was a trailer that had a bathroom in it that's what I, and then I, I so there's like trailers and stuff along the way. Every like once in a while you'll stuff? Yeah, every once in a while you well, <clears throat> like every place that you go, they have some way uh that you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> um you kind of got to be smart about it though. There were times when I I just couldn't figure out how to use that facility, but um he uh uh, a couple of the places that were just out in the middle of nowhere, they had like a trailer that you could go in to the restroom. Not not very often. But what they had was they had these lean-tos uh, quite a way um, during, along the way, you would, you would see um, like there was a, a big wall with a, a jutting out, um, like um, it, it was like cement, you know, this, Anyway, you could go in there and sit down under it. There was a bench. And I thought, well, why don't they make a restroom? This is crazy. 
And then the, this woman told me how to use it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you go out behind, behind the, the big wall and uh, you take down your, you know, drawers and you lean against the wall and let it go. So it was like, that's how you use. I mean, I had no, I would never have thought of that if somebody hadn't told me that. So all of a sudden I had places to go. <laughs> I can't hear you, dear. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can I hear you saying, now. It sounds like you're ready to come to Mardi Gras. That's how they use oh. the bathroom. Oh, really? <laughs> I want to go to Mardi Gras. I, I keep telling people that. I don't know. It seems dangerous. Is it dangerous? <laughs> I mean, it could be if you, you go looking for trouble. But if you stay at the parades and just do the parade thing, you're fine. <laughs> okay. That sounds yeah. good. I want to do that. Um, My next question is about forgiveness. I know you talk a lot about forgiveness. What What's your thoughts on that spiritually? Okay. Well, uh, I think forgiveness is really important. But I don't feel like I need to forgive anybody anymore because um, I believe <clears throat> I believe that uh, before I came in as a person, mm -hmm. I was out in the universe with God and um, I wanted I, I was a low vibrational spirit. I had a low vibration and I heard that and I wanted to be close to God who has a high vibration. Right. And so. How do you get close to God? You raise your vibration. And so I heard that if you go into the earth and be a human, you can raise your vibration because in on the earth, you can do unconditional love. And that really raises your vibration. And so even though I knew I would be attracting a horrible life uh, with my low vibration, I decided to go in anyway and see if I could raise my vibration. So that's what I did. And I came in and I, I mean, my, my dad was an alcoholic, rageaholic, child molester. I mean, I, I came into some stuff and, um, and all through my life, people were mean to me and I, I just felt like I was a good person, but I, I couldn't figure, I mean, I was just sad. I was sad. Okay. And <clears throat> anyway, so I didn't realize what was going on until I got old. And it, I think it would be so great if people could figure it out when they're younger, they don't have to live so long being sad. But anyway, so the deal is <clears throat> um, what you think about, you bring about. So I thought sad stuff all, the, all my life and I brought in sad stuff for myself all my life and I didn't realize what I was doing. And um, so uh, when Ron got sick, I had to be home, right? And so I went on the internet and I did my personal healing. I've been going to therapists for all my life. I mean, well, since I was 35, I started going to a therapist. I didn't know I needed a therapist before that. But, you know, when you're raising kids and, and things aren't going right, you, you need a therapist. And so, <clears throat> so anyway... While I was studying, taking care of Ron, I learned some stuff. One of the things I learned was Ho'oponopono. Have you heard of that? No. No. Okay, it's a Hawaiian healing technique for the family. 
And what it does is it loses our binds that we have with people that causes us to have animosity with them or just, um, or situations too, not just people, situations. And so you say that it's like a prayer or an incantation or whatever you want to call it. But the first thing you say is, I love you. And it's, I call it the big, I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves the other person. The other person loves God. If you can say it, you say, I love them. But if you can't, you don't have to, or they love me. Um, and, uh, and then, okay, I love you. I'm sorry. And it's not, I'm sorry I did anything, but I'm sorry the situation exists between us. And then you say, please forgive me. And it's, please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract this. So if I didn't have this brokenness in me, I wouldn't be attracting this crap from this person or whatever it was. Um, so they hit my buttons, right? So it's like taking responsibility for my buttons. They got, they got pushed. They made me hate them. <laughs> you know, people push your buttons, something that happened to you when you're three years old, you're going to, you're going to hurt to the core and you're going to think they hurt you, but really you got the button, right? <laughs> okay. So uh, thank you for showing me this so I could heal. So if I didn't see this pain inside of me, I couldn't heal it. So thank you. Thank you. And you're thanking God, but you know, you could thank that other person too for showing you your pain. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you could get to that point, maybe not right away. Okay. And then you do the big, I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves the other person. The other person loves God. Maybe by then you can say, I love them, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, you, so it's a healing technique for the family, but, um, you don't have to do it with them. You can do it all by yourself and it still works because it's a loosening of the binds that we have that causes our pain. So, um, but anyway, so the thing is, um, now that I'm taking responsibility for my pain and realizing that what I think about, I bring about, I'm not thinking that I need to forgive anybody. I'm thinking I need to clean up my act. And it and it's not really a shame thing at all because I honor myself as a valiant spirit that decided to come in here anyway, even knowing I was going to have stuff, you know, uh, a hard life. And um, <laughs> so um, the other thing about unconditional love is you can't even do it unless you have adversity because it's easy to love the people who love us, you know? So, hey, um, this is a great opportunity to do unconditional love. So that's the thing. I don't really feel like I need to forgive anybody anymore, but I understand it's important if you don't have the tools that I have, you know? But, it, but if you have the tools that I have, oh my gosh, things get a lot better. And like when things go wrong, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what was I thinking that brought that in? You know, I stubbed my toe. Okay, what was I thinking? Um, I got in a car accident one time and uh, this guy pulled out right in front of me and I smashed into him. And uh, the cops came and said, yeah, it's not your fault, blah, blah, blah. But 
I was on my way to see this uh, life coach that I had. Um, and so I went into her office and I told her, oh my gosh, you know, and um, she said, okay, what were you thinking right before that happened? And I thought, you know what? I was thinking, wow, this is such a nice area. I probably won't ever be able to live in a place like this. That was a negative thought and that brought it in. So um, anyway, that was one of my first realizations of that sort of thing, you know, and I mean, I've been studying this for a long time. I'm what I'm 74 years old. And, uh, you know, I just got smart about this in my 60s. So um, anyway, I I recommend you do it earlier. So you can live a happy life. <laughs> What's the name of that, that concept again? You said the o, It's H-O and then O and then Ponopono. Ho-O-Ponopono. Ho-O-Ponopono. Okay, I like that. So we're coming They have to- it on YouTube. You can like look at really? YouTube. And, and so I have I it have- in my book too. Oh, really? Okay, so oh yeah, before I go, because we're coming to the end, I usually end, end all of the interviews asking everyone if they could go back and talk to their 17-year-old self, what would you say? But you already said it. You would have learned. Yeah, I would have learned that I'm attracting all the crap in my life with my sad thoughts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Would have been nice. So if you, what would you say? You would say Kathleen... And then what would you tell her? Oh, um, you know, um, you need to find some good thoughts and think them because then you'll bring in your good stuff. And the thing is, when we start thinking the good thoughts, we're still bringing in stuff from those thoughts we had last week. So you got to you got to persevere, right? Even though crap is still coming in, you got to persevere so that you can get past that, you know, stuff okay. you've been bringing in right okay so can you tell them where they can get your book because i definitely want to go on youtube and i want to watch some more videos about the walk yeah. about your pilgrimage that you did and i also because I'm, I'm catholic as well so that's an oh. interesting the, the, the crazy part well the sad part is i've never even heard of that before i saw your bio i've never even heard of that and i'm catholic i'm like is this something that catholics do i've never <laughs> heard of it. so i am learning i learned a lot that's why i love doing podcasting because i speak to people who i would never talk to and I learned nice. so much. Um, we went to London, and I remember oh. when I first went to uh, Westminster, and we saw the castle. I guess that's kind of how you felt with the with the cathedral, because I was just so excited because I actually saw the castle. So I was happy. So I I, I completely get what you're saying. Um, it's but just I just wanna an anomaly, you know. It is, and uh, oh, Greece. Greece has a lot of walking as well. Yes. It's such a gift to, to get out there and use your body for something, you know, yeah. like not just sit there. Oh, I'm so sad. You know, and you sit right. watching TV or something, you know, no, if you get out there, you're doing stuff, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, that's what I learned on the Camino that I could take care of myself. And yeah. I was out there. I had to find a place By to yourself. sleep. I had to find food, you know, wow. on the spur of the moment all the time. Wow. <laughs> Can you tell everyone how they can follow you and get your book? Okay, uh, so my book is Wisdom on the Camino, a spiritual journey sharing forgiveness and possibilities to inspire the rest of your life. And it uh, you can get it on Amazon. I self-published. And um, 
it, um, I mean, um, oh, and so in the book, across from the table of contents is my gift with purchase. So you go there and you have to double opt in, but you, um, you can look at my pictures because people told me, oh, you should put your pictures in the book. And I'm like, yeah, and then it'll be 50 bucks, you know, for the book. And so uh, I made a website with um, uh, portfolios and galleries of my pictures. So you can look like you go to um, chapter one. You can see the pictures of chapter one while you're reading the book. And uh, so um, and if you get it on Kindle, please read it or page through it or something, because I get paid per page. (laughs) they take the money but i get paid per page (laughs) so anyway there you go so that's it uh you can go to wisdomonthecamino.com and then uh you can see that's my website it has a picture of me uh in front of the cathedral when i got there so there you go and uh what else oh the, my cover is really lovely. Um, so if you buy the book, you get the cover too <laughs> for yourself. So the other thing I would tell my 17-year-old self is uh, don't take advice because um, my mother, I wanted to be a fashion designer and my mother told me that not too many people get to do that. And so I ought to think of something else. So I became a graphic designer, which wasn't a good thing for me at all. And um, so I think uh, you need to just follow what you want to do uh, when you're when you're young. And I think the brilliance of God shines through us in what we want. If we have a desire in our heart of what we want. Um, that desire shines through and creates something wonderful between us and God out in the world. And when we stifle what we want to do, we know in our heart we should be doing, we stifle that, then the world doesn't get our brilliance um, like it would if we did what we know we need to do. One thing that um, that I, I think I would like to tell everybody is um, there's this really great prayer that I love. Um, I say it when I don't know what to do. Uh, and the prayer is, dear God, please make everything turn out okay. When I have said that prayer, I find that miracles happen because like, I don't know what to do. And uh, so then I say that prayer and then, um, and then God makes everything turn out okay and miracles happen. 
I, when I was in Burgos, uh, I, I stayed there for two days. It was Sunday and I, I wanted to go to church. <clears throat> and on the way out of Burgos, I couldn't find my way to the uh, Camino. I couldn't find the yellow arrows. And I saw a lady down by the river and I asked her where the Camino was. And she started pointing up the hill. And then she said, you know, I'm going that way. Why don't you just follow along with me? So we walked together and she was really happy to meet somebody who is an, uh, a natural English speaker. She, she taught English in Burgos at a school and um, she didn't get to talk to natural English speakers very often. So it was a treat for her to, you know, hear my mannerisms and stuff and talk to me. And uh, so she started telling me some of the sadness in her life. And so I told her my prayer, um, dear God, please make everything turn out okay. And she said she was going to try that next time that she didn't know what to do. So that was really, that was really fun for me to be able to give a gift like that to her. And, um, and I, uh, she, I told her, I told her that um, she was my angel. She showed me how to get to the um, Camino and she said well if that's all I have to do to be an angel then I'm really happy so um, that was just you know you never know who you're going to meet or what you're going to see um, on the Camino Another amazing thing that happened was I went to, um, <clears throat> when I was walking along one day, I mean, I'm afraid of dogs. And that was one of the things that I was afraid of going to the Camino. I was like, oh, I hope I don't see any dogs. They bark at me. And uh, I was walking along and there was a dog walking towards me. It was a little beagle. It was very cute. I mean, I, I think it was an older beagle. He wasn't really that little. And um, so I was like, you know, getting a little bit tense walking towards this beagle. And he just walked right by me like he knew where he was going. And uh, so I just kept walking. And I I was in this uh, area that had a bunch of trees with little tiny yellow leaves on them. And they were everywhere. It was like a canopy of yellow leaves above me. And... Um, the dirt below me was kind of a light brown. So it was kind of a, you know, um, anyway, it was a pretty neat area to be in. And I kept walking and walking. And then I got out of that area and I, I walked um, up to this forest. And in the forest, there was a trailer. And there was a guy standing outside the trailer. He had like this counter. He had a Coleman stove on the counter and he was frying some hamburgers in this Coleman stove. But what was around him was amazing. He, They had it all set up like a living room. Like you walk in under the tree, like pine trees, right? And there's like a purple couch with um, white, um, <laughs> white pillows. And uh, there were dining room tables. There was coffee tables. There was couches and coffee tables and living room chairs and stuff. <clears throat> and uh, so I went over there 
And I asked him if I could have a hamburger too. So he went inside the trailer and got himself another hamburger and put it on the on the fire. Uh, and um, and uh, I asked him if I could have a cup of coffee. So um, yeah, he made me a hamburger and it and I had a, my cup of coffee and I wanted to sit down on that purple couch, but I I wasn't feeling really well that day. I felt kind of weak and sick. And so I just thought, you know what? I need to keep moving so I can get to the place I'm going to before I run out of energy. And so, um, so I, you know, I thanked him. I paid him and, and I was walking away. And uh, as I was walking away, I noticed there was a hammock out under two trees. And there was a woman laying in the hammock, lazing in the hammock. And she just smiled at me and waved at me. And it was so lovely, you know, I just thought, you know what, those people went out there and created that really amazing place to be just for the pilgrims. I mean, who was out in the forest? The pilgrims were out in the forest, it was right along the Camino. And so it was, it was just lovely. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I just kept walking. <laughs> Um, so I think I lost her I think she has to find me though because if I hang up this steam yard thing isn't going to record it don't know what to do I guess I'll just sit here Thank <laughs> you.